Welcome to our podcast series on preparing for the future. Hi, I'm Randy Baldwin, Vice President of Human Healthcare Marketing at CareCredit. Today, we will be discussing keeping up with modern payment solutions and patient experience with Patty Casebolt, Chief Quality Officer, and Keith Casebolt, CEO of Medical Eye Center in Medford, Oregon. Keith and Patty, thank you once again for joining us today. Like usual, before we get started, will you tell the audience a little bit about yourselves? Thanks, Randy. Um, Patty and I are excited to be back with you again. Um, I'm the CEO of Medical Eye Center, and I've been in that role for 25 years. We are a multi-specialty ophthalmology organization with uh, several ophthalmology subspecialists, optometrists, and one PA. We have about 165 staff members who work in the clinic, our optical department, our medical spa, and surgery center. Patty, you've been here even longer than me. Why don't you tell us about yourself? He's your aging me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you started when you were 10, though, right? So, yes, I've been with Medical Eye Center for 31 years, and my background is in the clinical area, operational marketing, as well as um, risk management. And my role now as the chief quality officer allows me to work with our management team to focus on process improvement throughout the whole practice and then, you know, maximize our opportunities. A large portion of my time is allocated to coaching our managers and improving our benchmarks that affect our revenue. Fantastic. And again, thank you so much, Keith and Patty, for being with us today. I'd like to get started right away here. You know, rising healthcare costs, patient payment responsibilities, as well as some recent pandemic has really reshaped the needs and expectations of today's patients through the experiences that practices should give them, right? You know, the demand for providers to offer streamlined information, communication, and payment solutions is no longer just nice to have, but reality, it's becoming an essential component of today's healthcare experience. According to the InstaMed's Trends in Healthcare Payments 10th annual report, consumers surveyed said that they want more online payment options for healthcare. 81% of consumers want healthcare providers to provide online estimating tools. 71% of consumers want to receive electronic statements from hospitals, doctors, and other providers. But thus far, only about 17% of patients receive their medical bills online. And the last stat that they brought out is that 66% of patients will consider switching providers for a better payment experience. So the question here that I want to ask you two is that, are you experiencing some of these things that are brought out in this study? And if so, how are you supporting the needs of today's digital patient or just the patient experience through the practice? I think it's definitely evolving and people are wanting more digital solutions. So that's something that we've been working on. And today we're going to talk about three areas, confirmation, appointment reminders, check-in kiosks, and contactless and digital payment options. First, I want to talk a minute about what held us back from embracing these technologies sooner. One of our limiting beliefs that we've had in the past is that our patient demographic would not be supportive of all things digital. I think we believe that our mostly senior population of patients would not be savvy enough or patient enough to navigate these options 
And that really it would actually cost us more in labor costs and create customer dissatisfaction. You, you, you know, Keith, what you just said, I heard from other providers as well, from other industries, they state that some of those same reasons why they didn't implement new technologies, especially digital technologies within their practice, they said it's because they didn't think that their patient base would engage with it, would appreciate it, or really even embrace with these new technologies and new tools. So while they thought that, what really happened was they realized that patients of all ages were embracing those new digital tools and programs and, and, and things that they brought into their practice. Yeah, that's certainly how we felt to begin with. And I would say that more recently, we've been pleasantly surprised to find that most of our patients are happy and appreciate the benefits of digital options. For example, Patty, why don't you walk us through how our original appointment reminder process um, what that was, what we changed, and what the results of that were. Certainly, Keith. You know, so Randy, our, our process was doing what probably many other offices may still be doing, mm -hmm. which means manually calling the patients to remind them of their appointment. And, you know, we looked at that and how we could drive our efficiencies because it took a good two to three people um, every day, four to six hours to call these patients. And certainly, wow. you know, yeah, that's, you know, that's at least one person's full-time job some days it could be, you know, two people, depending on the amount of patients that we were seeing. Uh -huh. This, this function is really important because you don't want no-shows. You know, we look at, you know, what our no-show rate is, and we just needed another way to reduce that amount um, and do it in a more efficient way. What we're finding is that people didn't answer their phones, um, so we were actually calling them back numerous times. And sometimes, um, you know, those phone numbers didn't even allow us to leave messages, so we'd have to call again later. You know, that, that whole process um, staff found to be extremely tedious and frustrating. And our no-show rate was much higher than we wanted to, um, you know, have. You know, I, I can appreciate that personally. Um, people who call sometimes, if I don't know the number, I may not even answer it, right? So, so mm -hmm. it sounds like some of your staff had that same frustration when they're trying to perhaps, um, what, what do you call it, to make sure the appointment that they're going to show up. So... What did you do? Is that when you went digital for appointment reminders? Not at first. We, you know, at first we took an inter, what I would call an intermediate step. We moved to something that was partially automated um, that sent an outbound message, but it didn't really integrate um, back with our EMR system. And mm -hmm. it was recorded and, you know, patients were confused. So although this reduced the workload, uh, we still had to manually update the system with results. So finally, we got smart and we moved to a system that integrates both both ways. You know, it eliminated the extra data entry and it works well. Um, it eliminated probably at least 50% of the workload and it reduced our no-show rate. Our current no-show rate is hovering around 2%. Wow, that's fantastic. So, I know, right? It, we are very excited about it. And, you know, we're loving that our patients really embrace this method of communication. Unfortunately, that particular feature and functionality was eliminated recently in um, the new EMR software update that we no. didn't see happen. No, yes. you got to be kidding. After all yeah. that work, mm -hmm. you know, even, well, having gone through all that, was it worth implementing a system even though you had to lose all that capabilities? Yeah, I know. It's extremely frustrating, but I do think it was worth implementing. You know, it taught us a lot. Um, we're working with our EMR system right now, hoping that we, you know, we'll be able to integrate it back. Mm -hmm. 
And the one thing for sure is, you know, when we do implement another process, we will understand, you know, all the steps that we went through and for sure verify with a third party to verify that if their system is going to work with our system to, uh, you know, obtain everything that we want. Um, you know, Randy, on another note, even when things do work well, there are still a subset of patients who won't respond to this technology and it might not work for them. So mm -hmm. we still call the patients manually the day before their appointment. However, of our whole patient population, this is a very small fraction. So we're still saving a lot of time. You know, Randy, I find it difficult to be patient with all of these uh, migrations and new technologies that are coming out. It seems like many other industries have this stuff all figured out and the solutions are cheap and efficient and they work well. So sometimes I have to remind myself that HIPAA imposes a lot of restrictions and that the architecture of an EMR is mm -hmm. far more complex than what you'd be dealing with, you know, with an Airbnb app or something like that. Mm -hmm. Plus, I think a lot of code, therefore, has to be customized in order for it to work well with all the different EMR systems that are out there. So, you know, at least some of these advance advancements do exist now, and some of it works pretty well. And I'm imagining that over the next, you know, few years, many of these solutions are going to be a lot more streamlined and easy for uh, both providers and patients to deal with. Um, However, I am, I am really excited about what our practice is doing to check in patients. Oh, are you? So, hmm, why don't we just move to that technology? Tell me, what is the technology that is being used when patients arrive at your location for their appointment? I know, Patty, you told me that you recently visited the orthodontist, and they had a unique way of, uh, what do you call it, um, checking in the patients when they came, came into their practice. So, tell us about that. Randy, I was the first time I saw it, I, I couldn't believe it. I actually check in with my thumbprints. Um, so, yeah, when I visited there the first time, it took a brief setup initially. But now when I enter, I just scan my thumb and I'm checked in. If wow. I owe a copay, yeah, if I owe a copay um, the system will ask me to pay that. And I just insert a debit or a credit card. And it's, it's really fast. It's accurate. And it, it gives me more sense of control. And I love um, not having to deal with, you know, uh, extra staff. It's just, it's, I get the control to check myself in. If we were all patients and consumers at one point in our lives, as a patient, I loved this, um, this en engagement, the way that they do it. You know, as you were describing that, I, I was, I, I had to laugh. I too was a patient of the orthodontist <laughs> here in California. And they had the same sort of check-in kiosk. I used my thumb. You were right. A little small setup at the beginning. I used my thumb. It identified who I was, and then I was checked in. Fortunately, I didn't have any payments I had to make, <laughs> but I'm sure they would have had that too. So um, did the – when you had your experience there in Oregon but at your orthodontist, did you ask the orthodontist practice how they liked or disliked that kiosk method? Oh, yeah, because I was thinking about how we can incorporate it into our office, of course. So mm -hmm. I definitely asked them about it. And, and they said they really like it. What I learned about the technology um, that runs this device, it's called biometric authentic authentication. Authentication, gosh, I can't even talk, Randy. Uh, biometric <laughs> authentication, and it, it's become really popular, apparently, with dentists and orthodontists. Um, I haven't seen anything. I really researched it um, that in ophthalmology, but I think it's definitely the wave of the future. And I could see, you know, if it becomes available, uh, you know, in our area, it would be a technology that I think would work well in other areas of the of the clinic. 
Um, this would be a great supplement, in fact, to like our risk management program, uh, because mm -hmm. I think it would increase patient safety because you're not going to duplicate patients that way. And when I talked to, to my orthodontist, they said they've been using it for around seven years and that it had significantly increased their efficiency um, at the front desk. But like I said, unfortunately, at the moment, we haven't found a solution that would work well in our own practice with our EMR system. However, I did learn from our billing office and front office uh, managers that they recently attended a seminar uh, from our own EMR company uh, just a few months ago that uh, apparently our EMR company is working on a solution that will integrate well, and it looks quite promising. So, you know, this might be something that we can implement soon. Wow. Sounds great. You know, Randy, our current manual check-in process has five elements, and it's really quite involved, um, unfortunately. You know, this takes uh, four to five minutes of staff time for every single patient. The first step is we have to scan in the insurance card. Then we collect the copay uh, if it's, you know, applicable, and we have to print the receipt. Third, we have to confirm the information in the chart is accurate, such as, like, their name and their date of birth. Then we have to have them sign two authorizations, one for HIPAA and billing. And then we explain uh, our Optos imaging system, which is out of pocket, and ask the patient if they want to have this test done. So all five of those steps are, you know, lengthy. As for an automated check-in kiosk, like at the dentist's office, there's a brief setup and patients have to be shown how to use it. So you're going to have to make sure that you have labor, um, you know, uh, a test for that. And then the system will go through all five of those steps automatically and quickly. So there's some really nice perks. And the system reads the patient's driver's license as well as their date of birth and enters that information straight into the EMR. So for returning patients, the system will automatically flag any errors. And it's a huge advantage over human error when you're entering that data manually. And lastly, I think, you know, right now with coronavirus, another big advantage is far less patient contact between patients and staff. Yeah, you know, I, I can appreciate that that last statement you just made because um, because we're in a lot of different industry, the more and more people are requiring less content. They still want the physical conversations, right? Mm -hmm. But less content uh, contact between patients and staff is really what they're looking for. And actually care credit, you know, we may be integrated into systems to allow patients to pay with their care credit card. You know, you mentioned something about the kiosk when you go to your orthodontist and it comes up and you can just insert your card to pay. We are integrated in several PMS systems and CRM um, systems. That's the customer relationship management systems that allow a patient to pay with their care credit card in a contactless way. That's great. Um, you know, I was just thinking my 93-year-old father turns 94 tomorrow. Wow. And I've just been so skeptical that elderly patients like him and, and the patients that we have would adopt systems like this. Will they really figure out how to scan their thumb or whatever other system? But I really do think that it's a, just a limiting belief or at least an old story. I know I get all kinds of electronic communications from my, uh, from my dad. He even has his own blog. So um, there you go. I think you know many, many patients are being confronted um, and they're all learning a little bit at a time and more willing and in fact, you know, eager and even expecting that practices will have not only the latest medical technology, but the latest, you know, information technology that lets them do their business effectively and efficiently. Mm -hmm. 
Keith, I think you're right. I think that is just a limiting belief on our part. Um, if you look at stores like Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot, and you know most grocery stores now are offering self-checkout. So that transition is well underway. And you know not everyone will transition immediately. There will be early adopters and late adopters, so it's important to always have a dual system. You know, Randy, I think if you watch people, you know, you fly and I fly, yeah. you know, if you, right. if you go to the airport, I mean, there's certainly, you know, people who are using those kiosks to check in. Um, and some people choose to wait in line and still work with, you know, a staff person. But over time, I think more and more people are getting comfortable with the automated systems. And we're, you know, I'm confident that that's going to happen with our office. And we'll always have to make sure that there's someone there to help, just like at the stores or at the airport, um, to help those people who may just be using it for the first time or just prefer to do it that way. And, and you know, we, we talked about the, again, the kiosk at the orthodontist and you're using your thumb. That's biometrics. I believe you brought that out. And mm -hmm. more and more people are not afraid of leaving their thumbprint. It helps to identify who they are. So one thing I would say to our listeners here is, don't be afraid that someone's not going to want to engage because you have to use your thumbprint or they're older and they just don't know about technologies. Bring it into the practice. You'll be pleasantly surprised as you two have already expressed in some of the things you've done, right? So, you know, let's turn our attention now to payments. Uh, we touched upon it with the check-in and the checkout kiosk devices, but today, there's a couple of things that we've noticed from this study. Consumers want digital mobile payment options. We also know from that InstraMed study that mobile payments made by consumers surveyed accounted for 29% of all online payments through the InstraMed's payment processing network in 2018. 53% of consumers surveyed said they preferred electronic payment methods to pay medical bills. And then consumers also wanted to consolidate their healthcare payments. As 86% of consumers surveyed wanted to make all their healthcare payments in one place. So Patty, what is your experience with patients wanting to manage payments with digital solutions? Thanks, Randy. Yeah, I, based on what you were saying on those studies, I think you know our experience is similar. You know, we have and still are experiencing from our patients the desire to pay from a contactless way, and we've added a few different options um, to accomplish that through electronic payments. The first is we use digital options available from CareCredit. Um, the first is the CareCredit's mobile app. Besides patients being able to quickly pay and special financing options options available. They can also use the system to pay a provider for services, uh, products, deductibles, and copays pretty easily. And like other apps, this is available 24/7, so you know they don't have to wait to talk to one of our staff, and it's really very convenient. Mm -hmm. And as a patient, you know I like that um, to be able to access um, my information, and a patient can get on the CareCredit app and find their digital card number at any time. Once they've done that, an email is sent to our practice um, after every payment, so the billing staff can then post the payment directly into the billing software. And they also have a custom link or a QR code that is tied directly to our practice so that you know, our patients can pay and apply for the care credit directly from that app. And this, I think this all adds up to a digital experience. The other nice thing is that patients can pay directly into our system through our patient portal. 
it's not currently an ideal process, I don't think, but you know, we're mm -hmm. hoping that it improves over time. And the last payment option is that patients who call in to make a payment uh, before they would get through the, the phone tree routed several, you know, several times to get to the appropriate person. And it's not a digital process, but at this point, um, what we have available for patients is um, to call in and they get directly to a person that, that needs to make the payment. And for regulatory reasons, we don't store the patient's credit card um, in our system. But with a virtual credit card through their processing portal, our staff can sign into the credit card company's portal and then input that information directly online. So then whoever answers the phone can just help the patient rather than transferring them, you know, so, like I said, several times. And the patient's helped quickly. If they want to use the same card next time to make a payment in the future, it's saved securely in this credit card company's portal. You know, I want to say, Randy, to, and to our listeners, we didn't know this was even available. We only recently found that out by talking to someone outside of the clinic. So it may be something that the listeners might want to check with their credit card company because they probably have this portal available. And then lastly, I would say soon, um, patients will be able to set up a monthly payment option, which can be processed through that credit card company's portal as well. Um, and I think that, you know, care credit, between the care credit options and, you know, these other options that we've talked about, it's really helpful for patients to efficiently make payments. We can't just have one method. We need yeah. to be offering patients multiple methods because if we try to force them and we only offer the one option, I think we're setting ourselves up for having them be unhappy. But when we have multiple options, then one of them is likely to work for those patients. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Keith, because I was going to actually ask you about that. It seems to that you need to have multiple options to be help the patients with um, to be satisfied and help with their experience in any way in which they like to pay. Right. So I, I really appreciate you walking us th through that, um, Patty and Keith. I also wanted to add that as well in all cases. Once the patient uses the care credit credit card to pay for their services, um, patients settle all payments with care credit directly. As the provider, you get paid within your two business days from the transaction date. So I just want to make sure that everyone truly, truly understands that, that care credit makes payments easy as well. Well, we come to the end of this part of our podcast. And like always, I always ask my guests here, as regards to technologies of the three things we talked about, what should providers implement immediately? Randy, in our last podcast, we talked about committing enough resources to ensure success anytime you're doing something new. That for sure applies to new technology as well. So first, research each initiative very carefully. Know what your options are. Talk to some practices about what they like and don't like and what they would do differently. I can't tell you how many times we've saved a lot of uh, endless, uh, needless work by asking you know, some of the people that we know, and if they have experience with it, they're happy to share. Um, particularly ask them about what kind of support they're getting um, for staff and for patients, and ask about the inevitable problem solving that you're gonna have to do with anything new. Remember that most of these solutions will involve integration with your EMR. So it'd be really smart to contact them first to see if they have any plans already in the works for developing any particular functionality? And if not, what third parties do they integrate with? Patty talked about earlier how much of an issue it became 
when we lost some integration after an EMR update. One good resource is Class Research, and that's spelled K-L-A-S. They are an independent evaluator of large software systems in healthcare, and they might help you narrow your search of possible vendors. You can find them at classresearch.com, so K-L-A-S research.com. And the, you know, the other thing I would add is each of these items we've discussed is change, right? And it's important, just like any change management, that your staff be well-trained and that the managers are there to support them. I can't tell you how many times in the past, you know, I've made the mistake of trying to implement something too quickly um, and then not get buy-in. So, you know, the transition is probably going to be slower um, than someone might expect and people might get frustrated. So anticipating that and then adding support or at least reducing, um, you know, the staff's other duties temporarily while they're embracing this new change. And then also remember to check in multiple times over the, especially that first few weeks or months and ask for feedback about what's working and what's not working. And then adjust, you know, to address these issues. And then also don't forget that your patients will need support as well. Some people learn more effectively with visual cues. So adding things like, you know, instructions with pictures to your website or in a brochure, that might be more effective than just giving them verbal instructions. And for people, you know, that are kinesthetic learners or hands-on, having an iPad or a computer nearby can allow your patients to have that hands-on experience um, with support from your staff. And lastly, make sure that you have verified that you know, whatever this new system is that you've put into place is actually working by continually monitoring, you know, trust but verify. <laughs> very, very, very good. Thanks so much, Patty and Keith, for all of your words of wisdom, your experiences. It really helps our listeners to understand how they can bring in technologies for the patient experience. I want to also thank our listeners for taking the time to listen to the second episode of Preparing for the Future this educational series entitled Keeping Up with Modern Patient Experience. We'd like for you to join us for our next episode with Patty and Keith Casebolt as we will discuss creating opportunity and patient satisfaction by adapting existing resources and creating efficiencies. <laughs>